Welcome back to Making Sense of Money, a podcast dedicated to breaking down financial topics and making them easy to understand. I'm Nikki Giancola Shank. And I'm Andrea Pellegrini. Last episode, we wrapped up our two-part series on insurance by talking about health insurance and how to make sure that you're covered. Insurance is an important part of managing financial risk. So if you missed either of our episodes on property and casualty or health insurance, be sure to go back and check them out. And I'm Jake Hamilton. This week, we're starting up another little mini series to go over some common economic indicators. We're going to cover what economic indicators are, go over the most common ones, and tell you what they mean for you in your life. This week, we're going to be starting off one that you've probably heard a lot about recently uh, in the news and with everything going on with the economic recovery from COVID. Um, We're going to talk about inflation. So to start us off, uh, let's just broadly define what economic indicators are. Andrea, why don't you take it away? So economic indicators are things that probably most of us have heard, but in general, they're metrics or pieces of data or statistics that tell us about the economy, like how it's performing, the direction it's heading, uh, where there might be slack in the economy and other things like that. The Corporate Finance Institute defines an economic indicator as a metric used to assess, measure, and evaluate the overall state of health of the macroeconomy. Economic indicators are often collected by a government agency or private business intelligence organization in the form of a census or a survey. What that really means is that economic indicators are just statistics that tell us about the larger economy. And typically the people who collect the variables that are used to calculate those statistics are government institutions like the Department of Commerce or the Bureau of Labor Statistics. There are a lot of different economic indicators. I think we've talked about a few of them on this podcast before. Um, A couple examples might be like the gross domestic product or GDP, unemployment or inflation. Some people like to use the stock market uh, performance as an indicator, but as we've talked about before, that is such a small sample of businesses in an economy that it really shouldn't be considered by itself. Um, But today, we're going to focus on inflation specifically and talk about what inflation is and what it means for you as a consumer. So you've probably heard of inflation before, particularly as Jake mentioned recently, um, in the news, it's been talked about. So let's kind of dig into what inflation is specifically. Inflation is defined as the decline of purchasing power over time for a given currency while prices in the economy are rising. So basically, inflation is what is happening when your dollar becomes worth less and less over time. Your, for example, your dollar today buys less than it did 10 years ago. This is um, always, I, when I was teaching this, um, I would give the example of movies to kids. You know, it costs us $10 to go see a movie today. Whereas our parents, my parents' generation, it was like 50 cents, right? So economies all over have experienced inflation for pretty much as long as we have had currencies. It's existed even before the dollar did. So for example, when the Spanish discovered gold in the new world, they experienced high amounts of inflation by introducing too much gold into their economy. 
So inflation isn't the only thing that can happen to currency. Um, currencies can also gain value. So inflation isn't always a given. It's just something that we've experienced in the US for a really long time. So that's the overall kind of definition of inflation, but there are some other terms related to inflation that we just wanted to make sure our listeners were aware of. So there's deflation. That's when a currency gains value over time and prices of products are decreasing. So an example of this is Japan. They've been experiencing a very long period of deflation. Then there's hyperinflation, when a currency rapidly declines in value. So think of Germany after World War I, and people were burning money because it's so worthless. And that also helped spiral into World War II with the rise of the Nazis as well. And then there's stagflation. This is um, the worst of all of them, and it is very rare, but it's when you have very high inflation and also high unemployment with stagnant demand in the economy. So we were looking around for some examples of stagflation. The one in the US that we could kind of find was in the 70s um, when there was the 70s recession. And then like after the recession, there was a, a little period of time of stagflation, but it is very rare which is good. <laughs> um, yeah, that one's, that one's a doozy. Uh, you don't yeah. want, you don't want really high inflation while you're also in a recession. So, but it's just a, you know, one of those economic phenomenon that can happen. And I know too, uh, Jake had mentioned when we were chatting before about this podcast and what we were going to talk about that people, that's actually what people were afraid of post COVID, the post COVID recovery. But so far, that has not happened. So that's great. Um, but the most important thing to know about inflation is that it means your dollars are worth less over time and that your purchasing power is decreasing. It sounds bad, but it isn't necessarily a bad thing. So a low amount of inflation generally means that the economy is performing as expected and that it's growing at a steady rate. So that example of the movies, right? If a movie was still worth 50 cents today, that probably means our economy also was not doing very well. So that, that little bit of inflation, and I know we're gonna talk about this a little bit later, but that's also why they have what's called the COLA or cost of living adjustment when you're talking about in retirement or pay raises, et cetera. That's what they're talking about. So those are some very basic definitions of economic indicators and inflation specifically that we want to point out. Um, these are complex topics, so we won't be able to cover everything about inflation. And like I said, there's a lot of other terms that are related to inflation, but those are the basics. Jake, why don't you switch gears a little bit and talk about how we measure inflation? Sure. So let me add another disclaimer uh, and say at the top here that uh, measuring inflation is, is not a perfect science. It's uh, something where there are ongoing debates about inflation and how to measure it uh, among economists and politicians as well. Um, 
but I'm going to go over some of the common ways that inflations are, inflation is measured and maybe some of the, the things you might hear about if you're reading about inflation. But I want to first point out that inflation is, what it is, it's really an indication of the supply of money in an economy. So how much money is, is running around in the economy and how that amount of money interacts with the supply and demand of goods. If, uh, if you've taken you know, your Econ 101 class, you've probably seen the supply and demand curve, um, but this is just one of the ways that it's important to economics. Um, but there are a lot of different ways that inflation is caused, but in general, a um, very simple way, uh, when there's a lot of money in the economy, uh, producers and retailers, um, so the people who make things and sell them, will charge more money for goods and prices will go up. And because there's more money, um, your dollar will lose a little bit of value. So we mentioned earlier that typically government institutions track data and measure these things for the economy. And that's the case with inflation for the most part. Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has a number of indexes to measure inflation but I want to start with the concept of a basket of goods. So the way that inflation is measured in an economy is by looking at the prices of goods. And you, the way you want to do that is you want to track the prices of goods across the entire economy, because looking at one specific good or piece of merchandise or service is probably not gonna give you an indication of whether prices are going up for the larger economy. Um, remember that Nikki said it, inflation is when prices are going up and purchasing power is going down. So your dollar today buys less than it did 10 years ago. So to get an idea of what prices look like across the entire economy, they look at prices for what economists call a basket of goods. So a large swath of, of goods. Uh, individual items can fluctuate in price for various reasons, but if you look at prices across all goods, you can generally tell if prices are going up or down. Um, for example, something like TVs or cell phones uh, have gone down in price as it becomes cheaper to produce technology um, and, and the, the things that go into, into making a TV. You know, you, a, a giant big screen TV in 2010 probably cost more than the same size TV costs today. But something like a cup of coffee has pretty steadily increased in price as your coffee shop has to pay more over time for labor and coffee beans and all the equipment that goes into making a cup of coffee. So um, there are three uh, big indexes that the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics covers. And the first one is probably the most common that you hear about. And again, I want to stress that these are not perfect measurements. Um, they are hotly debated across the topic, but the first one is the Consumer Price Index. Uh, also known as the CPI. And this measures what consumers are paying for goods. So what you and me and Nikki and Andrea, when we go to the store, um, this is how much we pay for milk or coffee or eggs or how much we pay for housing. They measure it across a range of different goods and then they break it down into subsets. So they have like, you know, the CPI, they have one number for the whole basket of goods that they look at, but they also break it down for things like food or housing or energy costs. Um, so they break it down that way. Um, there's also the wholesale price index, the WPI, which tracks the prices of goods before they are sold to consumers. So this is what 
a retailer, someone who sells the stuff to consumers, this is what they pay for goods before they then later resell them to the consumer. Uh, and then there's also the producer price index. So this one measures how much domestic producers, so people making goods within our own economy, people here at home, um, it measures how much they pay for inputs. Like, for example, how much an automaker pays for steel, plastic, leather, um, computer chips, all the things that go into a car, how much those producers are paying for those goods. And so those are kind of the big three that you'll probably hear about. Um, it, you know, if you were reading about inflation, um, there are other ways to measure it and those aren't perfect. Um, it's measuring inflation is an extremely complex thing to do, but um, those are kind of three very common ones. And, and I wanted to add in one last fun one too, just to kind of give you, illustrate the idea, but The Economist, a, a, a publication about economics uh, has also developed a way to measure inflation and purchasing um, parity across economies, but they call it the Big Mac index. Um, and yes, like the Big Mac from McDonald's. But what this one does is it measure, measures the prices of goods needed to make a Big Mac. Um, so all the things that go into it, like beef, lettuce, wheat, labor, et cetera, all of the, the basket of goods that it would take to, to make a Big Mac. And, and actually, you can think about it, it does a pretty good job. It covers kind of a, a lot of different parts of the economy when you think about what it takes to make a Big Mac. So um, generally that one's used to compare prices across um, different economies, like across currencies, um, but it also can be used to see how prices in the US economy have changed over time. Um, and we know that like a Big Mac was more expensive in 2000 uh, or less expensive in 2000 than it is today. Um, but that one's just kind of an informal and fun way to think about it as well. Now I'm hungry, even though I don't like Big Macs. Yeah. I'm hungry now. Yeah, we're recording would, early, so I, I, I'm not a breakfast eater, but yeah, it's making me hungry as well, Andrea. That one's kind of my favorite because I think it's funny. Like, how did that start? You know, like, why a Big Mac? Why not a Whopper? Why not? You know what I mean? Like, anyway. Yeah, I think it was just, uh, I read, you know, I, I heard about, I read about it in a book one time. So um, I, like I thought it. that was fun to include. Yeah, um, that's but, my fave. You know, like I said, again, none of these are perfect. Economists and politicians, which you're probably familiar with, hotly debate over the best way to measure prices in the economy um, over time. But in general, it's just best to know that an inflation index is a measure of some sort of basket of goods to get a look at prices in the broader economy. And they break it down into subsets sometimes. So like if, if people want to know if inflation is higher in certain sectors than others, then they might look at like, construction costs and know that like, or housing costs and know that like inflation is higher in housing than it is in food, for example. Yeah, and I think too, um, it's often talked about in relation to oil too. Like there's there's a lot of fluctuation sometimes depending what's going on, if there's natural disaster, if there's, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So that's one way to think about it. Like just because every time the gas prices go up. Um, I'm thinking specifically like when there's during Hurricane Katrina, right? Or a bad storm like that. A lot of times there, they're, the price of oil skyrockets. Um, hmm. Yeah, so oil and, I think is a good 
like that's a it's a it's a great that you bring that up nikki because it's a good reason why they look at a larger amount of goods because we all know like we all know what we pay at the pump can change it goes up down you know all over the place like sometimes it shoots up to 350 or whatever four dollars or whatever it is in your area or sometimes it's sometimes it's really cheap it, it, it depends so looking if you if you're only looking at gas prices or oil prices um, that doesn't really give you a good idea of whether you're seeing inflation and in, across the entire economy exactly and it's was kind of my, like just be, every time the gas price goes up doesn't mean your milk prices also going up sometimes yes that's the case but not all the time so that's the basket of goods is why they use more they look at different a variety of things is what i'm trying to say um but jake you also mentioned that our government institutions monitor inflation and other things related to the in the economy so is there anyone that tries to influence the level of inflation that the economy has yeah nikki that's a great question uh and yes there is a government body that tries to steer the economy in a certain direction so to speak uh, and make sure that make sure that things like inflation are kept in check because you can imagine if if the economy was just left to its own devices uh and without certain interventions here or there from the government you know inflation could go off the rails it could it could spin out of control um but there is uh, a government body that, that monitors those things. Specifically, uh, it's the Federal Reserve monitors the level of inflation, uh, and it's their job to make sure that inflation is not too low or too high. They're kind of like Goldilocks. They want to make sure that the level of inflation is just right, not too hot, not too cold. They want to make sure that the economy is just going right down the middle. But a short history lesson on the Federal Reserve. Um, it was created in 1913 to combat financial crises in the US. Um, before we had a central banking system that used to happen pretty frequently and our banking system was was really fractured. So um, if you've ever watched like a wonderful, it's a wonderful life around Christmas time, you know like what a bank run is. Those used to be much more common before uh, the Federal Reserve and uh, the FDIC was created to uh, create, you know, deposit insurance so that people knew that their bank deposits were insured. So the Federal Reserve um, and some other government agencies were created to help monitor all of this and help make sure that things in the economy stay on track. Uh, other countries and economies have similar, similar banking central authorities. The, the European Union has the European Central Bank and, and China has the People's Bank of China. Our central bank has what's called a dual mandate, meaning it's their job to manage your two things, uh, prices and unemployment. Specifically, they're, they're tasked with price stability and maximum employment. They do this in a lot of ways, um, but it's important to know that the Federal Reserve is in charge of making sure that inflation doesn't go too high. Typically, they set a target of low inflation to maintain uh, at a certain level, um, and it's typically around 2%. Uh, if inflation gets too high, they have different tools they can use to slow down the economy and get prices back under control, like raising interest rates to make it more expensive to borrow money and make sure and kind of reduce consumer spending. Is controlling interest rates the primary tool that they have to, to 
leverage in controlling inflation, Jake? Yeah, so that's the most common tool that they use. Um, that's kind of one, I've heard it described a lot of different ways, but uh, people kind of talk about like the levers that the Federal Reserve can pull. Not that there's somebody at a big bank in Washington, D.C. with like a big lever that they pull down on when the economy is going too fast. But yeah, that's, I think, kind of their first their first uh, line of defense against high inflation is to raise interest rates. So like right now, people are a little worried about inflation with prices rising um, due to COVID and like excess demand. And there's um, there's a lot of money in the economy due to like the stimulus programs. Um, so people are a little worried about inflation, um, but it's also important to keep in mind that our interest rates in the US are really, really low right now. Um, so the Federal Reserve, if inflation starts to get really crazy out of control, they can raise rates, the interest rates to, to help rein in consumer spending and, and try to help keep prices stable. Okay, so we've talked about what all this stuff is and how to define it, but let's talk about what it actually means for people and consumers. Inflation can have a big impact on your budget, my budget, your wages, my wages, retirement, and lots of other things. So one thing that we've talked about or alluded to is the purchasing power risk or savings risk, which is if your dollar is becoming worth less over time, then that means that inflation is very bad for your savings as well as your, your spending power. Um, so like dollars that you might have put away in a piggy bank 10 or 20 years ago are worth less than they are today. They haven't gotten any interest. Um, and so they're, you're not keeping up with inflation. That's why, now, uh, that's why people say not to keep your savings uh, under the mattress. There's one reason. Also, if your mattress burns down, gone it's all gone all Another that cash great money. reason not to keep your savings under your mattress we we have a podcast on how to choose a financial institution very early in our podcast career you should check out if you're interested in maybe switching banks or moving from the under my mattress method of saving to let's try to at least keep up with inflation and look for some financial services so um anyway that means when you're thinking about saving for retirement, you know, specifically, you wanna make sure that that interest you're gaining on that particular savings is outpacing the rate of inflation. You don't want it to just keep pace with inflation. You want it to be better than inflation. Um, and investing is the best way to protect your money against inflation. It does come with risk, but there are ways to manage that risk. So if inflation is at 2%, then your interest needs to be at that level or higher to maintain your purchasing power over time. Um, a lot of people use like a bank savings, which is going to be usually less than 2%. It usually doesn't keep up with um, inflation, but it offers liquidity. So that might not keep up with interest rates. So you want to balance how much do you need to have liquid and emergency savings versus how much do you need to dedicate towards more 
midterm or long-term goals when you're thinking about outpacing inflation and what that means to the types of services or tools that you use in order to accomplish your goals and protect against risk of inflation. And this matters in the short term as well. So a lot of you are probably thinking, or you know, um, that my dollar is worth less today than it was a year ago, but my paycheck is the same. My employer is paying me the same amount of money as they were last year. Um, so this is something that you need to think about and it's inflation in general, if you're asking for a raise. Um, so it's important, I mentioned this earlier, the cost of living adjustment, a COLA, you need to think about the difference between a COLA adjustment and a real raise. So for example, if you're like, hey, I want a raise, and they're like, great, we'll give you 2%. Well, as we just talked about, usually it's about that, right? Like two, two and a half percent is a is the cost of living adjustment to factor in inflation. So you're not really gonna get a raise if you're getting a 2% raise because chances are the cost of your goods are gonna go up in that year. So that's the differences between a COLA adjustment and a raise. A raise would mean that you want to factor in your cost of living adjustment and more, not just your cost of living. So that's something that to really keep in mind when you're talking to, to your boss about getting a raise. I think it might be important just to acknowledge that inflation does vary. So like when I first started talking about inflation with um, students, the average was 4%, not 2%. So it can vary by year and be anywhere between like 1% and 5 or 6%, depending on the indicators that are being used to calculate the inflation itself. So we're just throwing out these numbers as averages, but they can really vary, especially if you look at a longer period of time. Great. Yeah, that's a good point, Andrea. Um, and yeah, like we just say 2% um, as an example, it's not set in stone. The U.S. economy is currently experiencing inflation that's higher than two percent, um, but two percent is two percent is typically the the long term inflation rate that the Federal Reserve targets. Um, sometimes they move that target up or down, but it's really close to two percent um, for the most part. So that's kind of why I used it as an example. But certainly, the the rate of inflation can be higher or lower than two percent in 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 the U.S. economy at any given time. Um, and I would like to say too, you know, when you think about bargaining for your wages, like a cost of living adjustment is not a bad thing at all. Like I just got one this last year. Um, they're great. Um, because it means that my spending power has stayed the same. I'm not losing spending power. Um, but you know, if you're taking on more responsibility at work and you feel like you should earn more in line with that, or if you just feel you should earn more for other reasons as well. Um, just keep in mind that, you know, if your employer says, hey, we'll give you this much of an increase, and then you look and you say, hey, that's at the same level of inflation or less than inflation, you're well within reason to say, hey, like inflation is right here. Like if, um, if you're, if you're going to give me a raise, I would like a little bit more than that. And we also want to point out that inflation matters for loans and interest rates too. We talked a little bit about interest rates as a tool um, for the Federal Reserve. 
they can kind of lower them or raise them to speed up or slow down the economy. Um, but people who loan out money, like individual lenders or, um, or banks or, you know, mortgage companies um, who loan out money, they, they don't really like inflation because the money that they loan you out today is going to be worth more than what you eventually pay back over time unless there's an interest rate that also outpaces inflation. So we talked about this with people's savings. You know, if you want to maintain your purchasing power, you want a rate of interest that outpaces savings for your, for your long-term savings. People who lend money think about this in kind of the same way. And economists call this, you know, this difference, um, they call them real interest rates and nominal interest rates. So um, for example, the nominal interest rate is what it's listed. It's what you would see if you go to a dealership and you want to buy a new car and they say, okay, great, we can give you this car loan and it has a 5% interest rate. That is the nominal interest rate. It's the, it's the interest rate that you see. Um, and again, we'll use the example of 2% inflation. The real interest rate for that same car loan is, is actually 3%. It's less than the nominal rate because of the inflation in the economy, uh, because the dollars that you're paying back, you're paying them back with, are becoming worthless over time. Um, so it is important to consider inflation if you're taking out a loan for a car or home or even your education. Um, you know, like we all have interest rates on you know our on our student loans too. Um, so for example, if you if you take out a thirty year home loan um, at three percent interest, uh, and in the long run, you might not even be paying back that much more extra um, because if if the Federal Reserve is doing their job well and keeping inflation right at about 2%, then you're really only paying back in purchasing power 1% more than you took out in the loan for that home. So overall, inflation is a big part of our economy and it affects consumers in a lot of different ways, but there are government bodies in charge of monitoring prices and keeping them in check so that inflation doesn't just run rampant and control all of our lives. And we know that this is a really big topic and that there's been a lot of news about inflation recently with the economy recovering from COVID as well. So Jake, if people want to learn more about inflation, where should they go? Yeah, so there's a lot of great resources out there to learn about inflation. Um, I personally did a lot of research just kind of looking around online um, for this subject and i there's a website called Investopedia, which does a really great job of breaking down like kind of common economic and financial terms um, that I used a lot. Uh, I would also suggest uh, uh, another podcast um, other than ours. Uh, it's called Planet Money, and it's uh, hosted by NPR, National Public Radio. And they've done a few really great episodes uh, on inflation as well. They actually did a fun one recently that was kind of Halloween themed. So that was, that was a good episode. I would point listeners in, in that direction. Um, and I would say again that this subject has been studied at length by economists. Uh, there is probably libraries full of economic research on inflation. Um, so there are a whole lot of different views out there on inflation. Um, but any book about kind of just the basics of economics, if you want to kind of get into this subject, should cover inflation, or it's probably not a very good book about the basic of economics. But um, so I would say, Maybe as a beginner course, try to stick to like things that cover the basics um, before you kind of wade into people's 
in-depth opinions on inflation because they vary widely. And it is, like I said before, hotly debated. Good advice, Jake, for sure. So thanks again to our listeners for joining us today. We're going to be covering more types of economic indicators in future episodes like GDP and unemployment versus employment. So be sure to keep an eye out for those as well. Next episode, we're going to be talking about dealing with financial stress. Um, As always, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. And thank you so much for listening.